Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Tai You podcast. And I am here today with the podcast that you guys have been beating me up for, for probably the last, I don't know, four or five months. I am here today with Brandy Hunter. She was my realtor for the purchase of my last home. She's based in Atlanta. She is a graduate of the University of Georgia. She is a member of the Atlanta Board of Realtors Distinguished Multi-Million Dollar Club. Her designations include accredited buyer's representative and the prestigious Certified Luxury Home Marketing Specialist, which are the benchmarks for excellence in buyer's representation in luxury homes. She is in the top 5% of production for agents in the highly successful Keller Williams Buckhead office. She has created a unique niche by becoming the go-to realtor for NFL and NBA athletes, distinguished professionals, and for Atlanta's high-profile entertainers and reality TV stars. Brandy is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and is an active member of nonprofit organizations, Project Karma and Beyond the Game. As a widow, these organizations are dear to her heart as they provide aid and support to widows, orphans, and those families who are living with loss. Her most proud accomplishment is that of her three sons, Jaden, Chase, and Dylan, who are very active and talented student athletes. Brandy, welcome. Wow. Thank you, Malik. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure, absolute pleasure to be here. Yes. So I am super excited to have you on today because you have talking to a real estate agent has been sort of the hot topic for my podcast. And so I have a ton of listener questions for this podcast. But before we get started, um, I remember when I met you at a panel with Candy and I think I briefly mentioned to you, like, you know what? I think I'm going to buy a home before I knew it. You were at my house. And then before I knew it, I owned a home. So (laughs) you, you, I have to say this because you were the process of working with you was so one, it was, it was quick because you're, you're just such a decisive, you're such a decisive and to the point type of person. Like that's your personality. So it was a easy process, but it was great all the while. Okay. Thank you. I know everybody's, I just did hosted a retreat over the weekend and people were saying queen clarity in, in queen direct. Like I just, I, I'm pretty keen on what I wanted, even in the house that I, bought. I remember you and I were scheduled to go out and look for homes. And I think I called you like, Brandy, I already found my house. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And my accountant's like, no, you didn't. Don't buy the first house that you see. But I was like, no, this is my house. And we went and we looked at houses, but I was like, I told you I found my house. So, um, are there some like basics? Do you want to just give the listeners some like just real estate basics? And you and I talked about this over lunch about a month ago that yes, you do, um, sort of like these million dollar homes, but you also work with people who may be buying, you know, $200,000 homes or just smaller homes. So that's not all that you do. No, that's certainly not all that I do. I, I work with um, first time home buyers. I work with investors. Okay. So I cover the gamut. Um, now that's a unique little niche that I've created, but I certainly work with more than just um, luxury home buyers and athletes. I work with your everyday um, hardworking entrepreneur. I work with them all. But um, okay. but just to answer that question, as far as what are some things to know about the process, I think first and foremost, everyone should make sure that they hire the right professional. I think that's, that's okay. more important than anything, getting with a, a realtor that you trust, um, one that you've got recommendations from, you know how they they operate, um, that they respond to you in a timely fashion, that they provide you the information that you need. So that that's first and foremost, because if you don't have the right professional, it can certainly make that process not um, 
a great one. So um, so I think that's first. You make sure you interview agents and get the right person on your team that's going to to represent you fairly and make sure that you get everything that you deserve throughout the process. Um, Okay. So so that's important. But then I I think once you once you have that, um, you also want to make sure there are some things that you prepare yourself for. And a lot mm-hmm. of the questions that they've sent in um, really address that, knowing, you know, the pre uh, being familiar with the pre-qualification process and what that looks like, knowing um, what you'll need to prepare for in terms of documentation and and um, finances, how much you'll need to to put down and how much you'll need to be have saved. That's certainly something you want to be familiar with. Um, okay. Identifying the location, you know, you have to determine. Okay. Yeah. What What's most important to you? So if it's school, you know, if if, if where you purchase is is being driven by schools, you know, my children will be attending okay. this elementary or want to be in this school district. So is it location driven or if, is it convenience driven? Like where you want to be, you want to live closer to where you work. You know, make sure your commute is no more than fifteen to twenty minutes from where you work. Um, so okay. really, just kind of identifying what what is most important to you, which will drive where you purchase. And, and then ultimately the price point, you have to figure out what your budget is. So, um, so yeah, right. d- discovering what's, what's comfortable for you on a monthly basis. You have to factor in a lot of expenses, not just your mortgage payment, but your taxes and insurance. Um, mm-hmm. and then all of your monthly utilities. So, um, you know, if there's a homeowners association, you know, you all oh, those yeah. prices you have to factor in and those things you do need to know beforehand before you just dive in. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I think sometimes we just look at, you know, the mortgage calculator and you're like, oh my God, that's cheaper than my rent or that's just a little bit more than, um, than my rent. But I would say that like some of the challenges that I had in buying my home, um, I could afford it, but it was just this thing of like, when I bought it, I realized that I didn't really have the lifestyle to fit my home yet, you know? So I remember when I moved in and all my furniture looked like Barbie furniture. It was just so small. Um, It was tiny. So I ended up having to spend quite a bit of money kind of filling it up so it looked like somebody lived here. Um, You know, and then I remember sort of uh, the first, within the first six months, I don't even know if you know this, but I ended up getting carpenter bees on my patio. So they were eating through the patio. So I had to call someone out for that and I had to pay yeah. for that. Um, yeah. And then I was, I got new, new washers and dryers. And when they delivered the washing machine, they didn't hook it up right. And water went through the washing machines on the third floor, down to the second floor, put the lights out, down through the garage on the first floor, put the lights out. And it's just like, oh, like this is now my oh, problem. Absolutely. And that, that is something you are absolutely <laughs> right, my league. That is something that yeah. you don't factor into because you go from renting mm-hmm. where your landlord took care of all those expenses to now being a homeowner where you are responsible for any mishaps that happen in your house that's not, you know, covered by an insurance claim. So uh, maintenance yes. is definitely something that you have to factor in um, and think about, of course, when you're per- when when you decide to purchase the age of the home, you know, if you're, you're buying okay. an older home, you have to think about, okay, well, you know, my roof may need to be replaced in five Oh yeah. My heating unit and cooling unit may need to be replaced or all of, you know, my appliances. So those are all things you have to factor in and consider when purchasing a home. Right. So a question that just kind of seems very vague, but maybe there's an answer to this is when do I know I'm ready financially to buy? So I think that that's a great question. And first of all, you Mm -hmm. have to determine, um, 
one, if you're ready to take on that, some of the, even the responsibilities that we just discussed. And then two, you know, once you determine what your budget is, you have to to consider that you'll need to prepare to at least have at least between three to 5% for a down payment um, for for the purchase of that home. There are some phenomenal um, first time home buyer programs out there, which can help you with your down payment. But if, you know, sometimes there are restrictions um, in which you have to qualify for those programs. And then even sometimes those programs are, location driven. So where that, you know, you have to live in a, in this area, like a transitional area in order, in order to qualify okay. for those programs. So if you, you know, if you don't fit in, in each of those, either of those categories, then you'll just, you know, have to pay for your down payment yourself or get a gift from a family member. But that is something that you have to think about that, that, you know, three to 5% down payment that you'll have to come up with, um, in order to purchase. Got it. Um, I like that. What effect does your credit score have on your mortgage? So it's every a mortgage obtaining a mortgage is is totally credit driven. So um, now the guidelines yeah. have loosened. So it, it used to be at a, a point where you had to have a, a really high credit score, but now they they've loosened mm-hmm. where you can get a, a mortgage with even as low as a five eighty credit score. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now and that's that, good to know. Oh, that's good. That is good to know. A lot of people think there's so far fetched, but no, it's it's really not. There are a lot of different programs. However, that 580 credit score program will require you to put down a, a significantly higher down payment. So we're looking at anywhere between 10 right. to 20 percent. But if you can work on your credit and build it up to at least a 680 and even some, some programs okay. will do a 620. FHA will get you if you have a 620 credit score, then you can, um, you can qualify okay. for a three and a half percent down payment program. Okay. Yeah. My credit was not great when mm-hmm. I bought my house, but I had the cash to do a down payment. And now it's so crazy after buying my house, like my credit score is through the roof. Right. You know, it's just like, it's like now I'm like, okay, once I buy this next time around, it'll be a lot easier. Easier. Absolutely. Yep. So you can get in the door and even consider if your score isn't where you need it to be right now, you know, after mm-hmm. 12 months, you can even look at refinancing to get that rate if you're, if you're, you know, because once you obtain a mortgage and you pay your mortgage on time, your score is going yeah. to go up. Right. So yeah, you can even look into refinancing um, and getting a better interest rate once you're in the house at least 12 months. Yep. That's what I've been trying to do with my bank, but just trying to make sure it stayed at right. a steady, you know, like a steady score. So I think I'm good with that. Um, now, you talked about, I don't know if you know any specifically, but people wanted to know about resources to assist with down payments. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there, okay. there are a, a few different programs out there um, and different, different lenders have different programs. Mm-hmm. I normally, once I consult with my client and find out what their goals are and what their needs are, I, re- mm-hmm. I refer my client based on what their, um, their needs are. Some, some, okay. so if, you, if you're looking to purchase in a certain area within Metro Atlanta, then there's a program for you. There's a rep- okay. program that we re- refer to as the Affordable Home Mortgage Program. And um, and that's a 100% financing program. It, wow. Yeah, 100% financing. So that um, that 3.5% you will keep in your pocket. However, it's it's uh, it's location driven. So it's that that mm-hmm. program is geared to help gentrify, you know, gentrify certain areas. So okay. you have to be willing to live in, a, in an area that's transitioning. You know, it's a, right. it's a great program, but, you know, it's certainly a I won't say somewhat of a compromise, but 
Um, yeah, yes, it, it is. It, it, it's taking it's taking it. You, it's limiting your choices. Exactly. So it's like, hey, you don't want to put any money down. We can help you with that, but right. this is the area that you have to live in. Exactly. Yep. So yeah. So that's a program. Okay. There's another program um, that's called Georgia Dream. Uh, okay. Georgia Dream, but you have limitations on that as well. You your purchase price can't be over. $250,000. Okay. But that program will allow you to purchase within Metro Atlanta. So, so really kind of based on what the, the, the purchaser's needs are, there are different programs. Uh, Invest Atlanta is another one of them. So um, that's just a grant. So that's not, that wouldn't cover your entire down payment. Um, Invest Atlanta is a grant, um, which is like $5,000, which will help go towards your down payment. But, um, but yeah, so there are some different options out there for, for, uh, for different, you know, options. So you do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, this is something that I don't know, but I guess there is like a sort of limit of how much of your income should be allocated towards your mortgage. A girl says she read something that said your rent or mortgage shouldn't be more than 30% of your income. What are your thoughts on that? No, that's, she's accurate. That's, that's, is that completely accurate? (laughs) Yes, it's complete. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. The number is right around 31%. So, okay. Um, so they don't want your mortgage payment to be more than 30% of what your overall income is. And okay. in order and, and what they want your your income or your debt to income ratio to be within 45%. So that's factoring in your um uh you know every everything else that's on your credit. You know, so okay. if you have a car loan, if you have student loans, if you have credit card payments. Um so they factor all of that in when they look at your profile and they don't want that to be over 45%. All okay. Okay. This is good to know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, there was a question about um, being self-employed mm-hmm. and is it, you know, if someone, and you've worked with a lot of like people who are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. how hard is it to qualify for a home loan versus someone who has something that appears like more stable working a nine to five on paper? And that's a great question because I'm also self-employed and, and we oh, know, yeah. yes, as, as self-employed individuals, we choose, we tend to write, you know, have a, a few more write-offs than your average person. So, okay. but here's what you have to be conscious of. If, if you've decided, okay, 2018, I'm going to purchase a home. You cannot write off everything. You can't. Okay. Because that, that lender is going to, to look at your tax returns, your last two years tax returns, and they'll qualify you based on what you filed in your taxes. So, okay. you know, if you as an entrepreneur, you, you, you know, earned $100,000 in income, but your taxes only show $30,000 worth of income, then that's what you can qualify for. So, um, so you definitely, if, if you are seriously considering looking to purchase, you want to, you know, get, you want to be in communication with your CPA as well as your, um, as well as your loan officer. So they can advise you, you know, like if you want to qualify for a, you know, $200,000 house, this is what you'll need to reflect on your income taxes, if that makes sense. Yes. To makes perfect yeah. sense. So I get that. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, Hey, I work for myself. I'm going to write off everything under the sun and then just report right. this small income. Um, I want to buy a house. So you're right. saying be mindful of that and watch for that. Yeah. Yep. And the rule of thumb with that is that normally, you know, you can qualify for up to three times the amount that you, um, you know, following your income taxes. So if you make, 
if you on your income taxes, you file fifty thousand dollars. The the rule of thumb is that you normally can qualify for one hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Okay. Yeah, but that's that's if you don't have a significant amount of debt. Now, if you make fifty thousand dollars, but you have a ton of credit card debt and a ton of student loan debt and all this other debt, that's going to of course change what you can qualify for. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. I, you and I talked about this and I feel like a lot of people are interested in this. Like it's all about Airbnb right now. So it's all about Airbnb and investment properties. Um, so if I, if I already own a home, what is like, what's the process, you know, what are some things to consider when getting an investment property or if you want to try to do Airbnb? You know, that's a great question. And and that's certainly a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. Airbnb is a, uh, it's a great um, option in terms of looking to purchase a home to either rent out if you if you didn't choose to stick a renter in there, but if you just want to Airbnb it, that's a that's a great alternative. Okay. Now, what you'll need to to keep in mind is that if you currently own a property um, from a lending standpoint, in order to get financing for an investment property, you'll have to be able to put down twenty percent on that property. So, okay. um, so most lenders will require a twenty percent down payment on an investment property. Really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and I guess they, th- that's a great lending question. And, okay. and I was, yeah, I was, you were saying telling, that. Yeah. Cause that, that, you know, of course I'm, I'm the expert, but there are some things that the lender will absolutely know beyond even what I know. Right. So I said, Molly, that might be another, a second podcast. A second podcast. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but from what I can just, you know, from what I think, okay. you know, they want to be able to show that, Okay, because to have a second property right. in your mortgage, yeah. you know, one, you investing that amount in there, you're you're committed to that, right? Right. So it's certainly you get you have some skin in the game by being able to invest that amount as a down payment. Now there are some other financing options, um, you know, hard money loans. Of course, you'll have a higher interest rate, um, but based on your credit profile, if they look at your profile and see that you're a good candidate for that, sometimes you may be able to put down as little as 10%, okay. but, but your interest rates are normally higher on a hard money loan. So there's certainly what, you know, there are a lot of different financing options. You have to really sit down and figure out what's best for you. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So this is a question that I'm just going to throw at you um, because my accountant was talking to me about this. So I bought a brand new home, which mm-hmm. I like it because nobody has been in it besides me. But my accountant was saying that sometimes it's better to buy a house that is a little bit older so that the true value of the home, so that you know the true value of the home. So it's like my house just had a price on it. It's like, this is how much it costs. But how do we truly know the value of it over time? Well, and, and that's a great question too, because I mean, if you're looking at homes that are that are in a neighborhood which is you know stable and and that home has existed for ten years or fifteen mm-hmm. years or however, you know the the the, the key to knowing the value is one, you know, like I said, you're you're having a professional that can look at that data and and let you know what you know what that market looked like last year this time what it looks like you know what it looks like 6 months before so okay. you have a good good idea of what the fair market value is and if it's if it's sustainable you know okay um, now with new construction if it's a new development 
um, that's brand new, then then you don't really have that. You have to sort of base it on what's happening in that area, in that overall area. And if that area is is trending, you know, mm-hmm. if you see values are rising in that in that area, so that's something that you have to keep in mind too, right? Because um, your home is an investment, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's an investment whether you're whether it be short term or whether it's long term. It you know either way, it's an investment for you. Right. But I've been hearing that like back in the day, you know, people would buy homes and then sell them for like four or five times what they bought them for. And now I'm just hearing that that's kind of not the case. And if you're buying a home, you know, the chances of you making a ton of money off of it just isn't the same. What are your thoughts on that? You know what? It, there are a lot of things that drive that. And, you know, location is is definitely important when in terms of finding the right investment. Okay. Um, also, you know, the, the length of time that you plan to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had some clients that bought and, and keep in mind, we're coming out of a we're in a thriving market. You know, okay. 2018, our market, 2000, you know, 16, 17, 18, our market is recovering and it's re- rebounded substantially. You know, so where you see people are, are selling and making tremendous profits, but mm-hmm. there was a time when that didn't happen. You know, like back in 2009 was one of the worst periods of our, um, in recent years of our market, mm-hmm. when the market crashed and everyone's homes was, you know, everyone was foreclosing on their homes and, yeah. you know, the, the, the market was saturated with foreclosures foreclosures over 40% of our inventory were, were all foreclosures, but now the market has recovered and only 2% of our entire inventory is, um, is foreclosures. So we're just in a different market right now. But, but the thing that we don't have is a crystal ball to be able to say, right. we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, 12 months or 18 months from now, all we can kind of base that on is what's trending now and and based on statistics that we have watched over the last 12 months or 18 months or two years, this is how the market is. This is what the market is doing. Um, but but I can say that people who have purchased between like 2010, 11, 12, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even I would say more so 2012, 13, 14 and are selling mm-hmm. now, they are seeing a substantial um just gain from from, okay. from how this market has recovered. They they bought when it was low. And okay. Now, now the prices are recovering and 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 they're benefiting. They're profiting from that. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking about that. They finally I moved into a new community, and I feel like um, all the houses, the new realtor here is killing it. All the new houses are under contract, right? Like with the, they're not even built yet. She's just killing. So I'm like, yes, so that I can move. Yes. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it is. I'm ready to go. But um, I have some more questions. But I, another one, Brandy, is that fees. I know realtors have fees. How do real Realtor fees work? Like, am I paying you up front? You know, how do you get paid? That's a good question. And um, Mm -hmm. so so it works two ways on the buying side. So if you are a Mm -hmm. buyer and I'm representing you as a buyer, the the buyer is, is not responsible for a commission. So it's okay. the seller that pays that buyer's agent um, throughout that process. So, okay. so as a buyer, there are no fees that you're really responsible for outside of just what your investment is in, in the home and, and, you know, inspections and everything that comes along with that. So okay. the, the seller pays the buyer's commission. Now on the other side, if you are a seller, you are responsible to pay, to, to pay a commission. 
And um, a standard commission in our market is, is 6%. So that's 3% to the buying agent and 3% to the selling agent. So, um, so the buyer kind of, you know, they don't, they don't really have any, unless that, that, that agent charges a retainer fee. Some agency okay. uh, will charge a retainer fee in order to, you know, um, get started. Exactly. Or, um, and what's the kind of, what, what kind of fee it, could that look like? Just so people trying to keep people from getting duped out here. So if right. someone says, Hey, okay, I need a retainer fee from you. What's the range typically on that? Well, the range can vary. The range can vary based on the price point that the person okay. is looking in. Uh, okay. However, I haven't seen it be any higher than, um, you know, a thousand dollars to fifteen okay. $1,500 now. Um, and then what, what is the, expectation is that you'll get that back, um, you know, once you close. So, okay. so it's just to retain the services, but, but typically when you close, you get that back. Now it is different if you are renting. Now, okay. a lot of times agents who work specifically with renters, they may charge a fee because on the renting side, agents don't really get much compensation. So, um, okay. so the, for the investment of time, a lot of agents will charge a fee just mm-hmm. to, to, you know, in, in order for you to contract me to work with you because it's an investment of my time. I have to charge you for that because we don't really get compensated that much for rental services. Got it. So people can reach out to a real estate agent if they want to rent a home. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay. Um, another question is, uh, we have from a reader is how much do student loans affect buying a home? She says she went to art school. She has 80,000 in loans. Should she pay them off or pay them down before buying a home? What are your thoughts? That That's a good question. And it's, I mean, most people are going to have student loans. So right. the way that a, a lender will look at that is that um, it, it really depends on the type of loan you're looking to obtain. If it's an FHA loan, um, now FHA, just so I can kind of explain what the difference is, an FHA loan is a, is a loan, um, it's a government-backed loan, so it's it's the most, um, uh, it's, it's a great loan because there's lower interest rates and, and the credit requirements aren't as, as strict as a conventional loan. So an FHA loan, you can go up to, because they, they, they actually change these limits quite often. But I believe right now it's $356,000 is, the, is okay. the loan limit for an FHA loan. Um, okay. So for, for an FHA loan, so let's just say that she has $80,000 in student loans. They're going to require, um, they're going to look at 1%. They're going to want 1% of that balance. Um, so, so let's just say she has $80,000 and student loans, mm-hmm. they're going to factor in that in her debt to income ratio. So about $800 a month. So, so whatever, um, if it's, if it's FHA that she's looking at, she has okay. 1% of the balance that they're going to factor in into her debt to income. Now, if it's a conventional loan, what they do is whatever. So let's just say her student loan, um, was eight eighty thousand $80,000, but her, her payment mm-hmm. on that loan was only, uh, you know, $300 a month. And, you know, so so that could vary based on whatever, you know, type of, of arrangement she has with that creditor. But for a conventional loan, they base it on what's on your credit. So if, if that loan, if your monthly payment for that that student loan is only $300 a month, then that's what they'll factor in on a conventional loan. But it's different with FHA. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so... 
what are some things that people can do to be an attractive buyer? You know, like I think in everything that I do, I want to like appear polished and I want for whoever's selling it to like, you know, believe in me. So what are some things? And I don't even know if it's, you can be honest and tell me like, is it a way that you dress? Is it, you know, like, does that matter? What can you do is, you know, to be an attractive buyer out here? So the one thing that you can do is to be prepared. And, and that, okay. that, is the, that is what's paramount throughout this situation. You have to be prepared. You can't go. A lot of people think, oh, I just want to go out and look at houses. No. That, that, <laughs> that's me. That is not how the process works. And if you want to do that, that's fine. You can right. just, you know, just don't, don't think, don't expect a professional to take you out. You know, right. you can go to, open, you know, they have open houses every weekend. So feel free to, to uh-huh. go, you know, to to go, go, look look houses, houses. go look go tour open houses, but a professional will require you to be prepared, which means that you have to get pre-qualified with the lender. And um, in order okay. to even be prepared for that, you just have to make sure that things are in order. You know, so everyone is always working towards, you know, getting their credit better. But unless you know where you stand, you don't even know how to, you know, what to fix. So, so my recommendation right. is always, if you are thinking about purchasing, you want to at least start the conversation with a real estate professional and then and then speak okay. with a lender who can advise you and say, look, they can they have these things called cre- credit analyzers where they can take a look at your credit and say, OK, well, you're at a 570 right now. But if you, if you do uh-huh. A, B and C, you can be at a, a 620 in 120 days. So, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So there are certainly some tools that they have that can help prepare you to be prepared. The magic of being your own boss means you get to negotiate with yourself on what steps you need to take to grow your business. The next time you're having this internal debate, remember that spending more time delighting your customers is one of the most powerful things you can do to move your business to the next level. The good news is our friends at FreshBooks can help you spend way less time on your admin and paperwork so you can spend more time giving your customers more love. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for self-employed professionals that's ridiculously easy to use. It's so fast and easy, it can save you up to 192 hours per year on all that tedious paperwork and the tasks like sending invoices, calculating expenses, and tracking your time. Oh, and if you're doing the math, 192 hours works out to 24 days. Imagine how much more joy you could bring to your customers with all that extra time. For your 30-day unrestricted free trial, I want you to go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. Okay, is there like a checklist, Brandy? Like, okay, if I'm going to a mm-hmm. realtor, what do I need in my purse? Um, so for a con- consultation, there's not much that you need. So you know, what, what I okay. do when I, with my clients, I always start by having a consultation because there's so many things that you need to know about the process. I can't just, I can't just show okay. up at a house and, and you know, we just kind of say, oh, let's start looking. No, there's, there's some things that you need to know to be prepared for. Um, you need to be prepared okay. for what to expect when we get out here looking at homes. We're in a seller's market and it's extremely... Extremely ah. competitive. So an average buyer in a seller's market is only going to look at anywhere between five to seven homes before they purchase because there's not as much inventory. So that's, oh. that's something that you need to be advised on. And you need to, as far as making an offer and what that looks like in order for your offer to be considered, you know, that there's a strategy that should be put in place. 
So, um, so those are things mm-hmm. that, that a, a purchaser should always, um, you know, as far as wanting to, you know, a, a checklist, that's something to think about. Okay. Are there some things that someone can do to make their home more attractive to sell? I think I've read like blue kitchens. I could be lying, mm-hmm. but like, so are there things that tips and tricks that would make a home more attractive um, to sell things that buyers are maybe looking for if I am trying to yes. sell my house? So that, that's a great question. And the first thing that buyers are always impressed with are um, there are certain things that you can't change. So if you're or you, or you may be able okay. to change the layout of your home, people like open, you know, layouts that flow. So um, but if that's not tangible for you, but where you can start is the mm-hmm. kitchen. Every buyer loves the kitchen. They want a nice kitchen. Um, they want nice yes. master bathroom where you're going to spend most of your time in your master bath and um, and in your kitchen. So those you want to make sure those okay. two places appeal um, and, and you want to make certain that it appeals to the masses and not just, you know, what what you like. So that's why I always have to advise mm-hmm. my seller, my sellers, when I meet with them for consultations, you know, did you did you do this to your house for you to enjoy it? Or were you thinking about resale? You know, and that that's okay. important, you know, because a lot of times what may appeal to you may not appeal to, yeah. the, you know, 99 percent of people that will be looking at your home. So you want to make right. improvements that 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 are going to appeal to the masses and, and a great way to find that out. Everyone loves HGTV, right? So everyone loves looking at these rehab, you know, renovation shows where they renovate these Mm -hmm. kitchens and and they look amazing. But, you know, what's trending right now is white cabinetry and, and, um, you know, soft, neutral tones. And, um, you know, so those are things. So so the things that are trending are the things that you would want to invest in. Okay. Um, and I don't know if this is a question for you, but someone was saying, do you have any advice on buying a house after a foreclosure? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, so after, you know, after you've had a foreclosure, um, most lenders are going to require, if you're looking to obtain a FHA loan, it has, you have to wait at least three years. So if you foreclosed on your house in 2012, excuse me, mm-hmm. you would need to wait until 2015, whatever that date. Now, now here's something I want to clarify, because if, if, if you let's just say that the house foreclosed in January of 2012. Now, mm-hmm. it's not three years from that date. It's three years from the date that the lender um, reported it to the credit bureaus. So that, that may oh. be a few months after that. So it could be, you know, if you foreclose in January, it might not report on your credit until uh, you know, April of 2012. So it, w- it, w- it would be three okay. years from that date for an FHA loan. And it's actually seven years if you had a conventional loan. Okay. Yep. So you got, you got to wait a little bit. Now, something else I want to point out is that a lot of people did short sales. Um, so okay. You foreclosed, but you did a short sale. The time frames are a little different. So you have to wait four years for a conventional if you did a short sale. And then you have to do only three years for FHA. So it's a little okay with a short sale. Okay, um, and I think we've answered so many amazing questions. But what are some things? So I let's just we get past all of this. I buy my house. What are some things that I should invest in to get the best return? Like I know we talked about this. I invested a lot. Changed all the light fixtures in my house. 
Um, I mostly, my house is four stories and I just focus mostly on the second floor because I was like, that's the floor that most people are coming in on. Right. So I switched out all the light fixtures because I didn't like, I never really liked the ones that come in a house. Right. Um, I, I probably wasted money. I changed my kitchen backsplash because I liked it, but I felt like it didn't go with my vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I did. Um, I did wallpaper. I did paint. Um, but what are some things like that people can do to sort of get the best return on their house once they move in? That's a great question. And I think the things that you've mentioned are important. So lighting, mm-hmm. flooring is important. Um, okay. You know, so if you have carpet and the um, family room, you you know, uh, what what people like to see are, you know, hardwood. So that's that's very trendy now, hardwoods. So lighting, flooring, um, and, and something that I definitely want to mention is, is maintenance and upkeep. So okay. a lot of times I'll meet with my sellers who have owned their homes for maybe, you know, seven, five to seven years or longer. But, you know, they value has been lost because they there's a lot of deferred maintenance. So you want to make sure that you get your systems checked on a, on a regular basis, you know, change your filters, um, a lot of things that can cause you. Uh, cost you money down the road if you just would have paid attention to that, like on a yearly basis, just to make sure you get your HVAC systems checked and, um, you know, make sure that that a lot of, you know, a, a lot of wear and tear things that, you know, weathering, you know, you just want to be mindful of those ty- those types of things, because if you don't pay attention to that over time, it can end up costing you a lot when it's time for you to sell your house. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of career questions for you, Brandy, okay. because I'm pretty sure there are some people that maybe want to get into the field that you're in or to work alongside of you. How do you believe that you became the sort of celebrity go-to um, in this business? You know what? That that That's also a good question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of set my eyes. I, you know, I got into real estate a different sort of way. My, I lost my husband in 2004 and, mm-hmm. and I had three small children at the time. So I worked a pretty rigid sales job, nine to six, which just, it wouldn't have worked um, as a single parent, you know, with three boys. With three boys. So I needed to find mm-hmm. a career that would have allowed me just some, some more flexibility. If I needed to go pick up my kids early from school, or if I needed to take them to doctor's appointments, I could, I could schedule you know, my appointments around what was most important, which was my family. So, um, so yeah, so that, that, that is really why I transitioned into the career of real estate. But I have to say this because people, you can find inspiration in anything and what, what it was for me to really set my sights higher and, and become this, you know, I hate to, I don't like to coin myself the celebrity realtor, but because I I work with everyone, but it just so happens that I've kind of created that niche. But um, Mm -hmm. there was an article in Essence. No, no, I'm sorry. It was Ebony Magazine. This was right Mm -hmm. after I got my license in 2005. And it was a a young lady who was a realtor here in Atlanta at the time I lived in Chicago. But I was in the the grocery store standing in line and I just happened to flip flip to that article. And the name of the article was Single Mom on the Move. And and it was a young lady who she had her arms folded and she was standing in front of this high-end subdivision in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, oh, my God, that's what I want to do. I want to move to Atlanta, Georgia. I want to pack my babies up. I want to get out of Chicago because I I knew I didn't want to raise them there. And I'm going to sell high-end real estate in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And I just just followed that. I followed that. So I I prepared for that. And I, I went to UGA. So I had a lot of friends here. 
So when I, when okay. I got here, I just bugged the crap out of them. You know, I let everyone that I know, um, to, they had to know that I was in real estate. That's what I'm here. That's what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm selling real estate. So I, I hounded my family and friends. I had one referral, one person who I over, I just impressed, <laughs> I impressed her, the lights out of her and she referred me mm-hmm. about 15 people. And I have to give her a shout out. Her name is Shanita Foster, but okay. Shanita Foster referred me Candy Burris. And, and okay. it just, it was just like a snowball effect, you know? So, so okay. it, it really just takes you impressing one person, but, but you have to be consistent across the board. You can't just, you know, impress that one person, but not show that same attention and, and appreciation to, to the other client. Like I just made it a point to be consistent, you know, with my services mm-hmm. and my follow-up and just making sure that I, I just wanted to provide customer service that people would, would appreciate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I referred you to my videographer who had a different home budget, but I think his house, you put his house on the market. It was sold like that day. Yeah, we, <laughs> he was, he, he was like, it sold so fast. He didn't even have time to get out of it. Right. right. And, and I love them. Oh my God. And they bought another yeah, house. They're, they're amazing. amazing. They are. I love their house. Yeah. I lo- and I love their new house too. I've gone over for dinner. Um, but something that I noticed about you, Brandy, is that you have like this insane, I met you and before I knew it, you had followed up with me. You were having a meeting. What do you have any particular rules for following up with people? Because a lot of us, you know, we'll go, we'll meet people on panels and it'd be like, yeah, girl, call me. And you never hear from that person. Do you have any like rules, days that you wait, you know, email, call, any particular rules you have on following up oh, with it's, people? It's, it's immediately. Like there's no, there's no way, really? you know, if, it, if, if, if I have a connection okay. with someone and they have expressed that, oh, you know, I'm ready to, I would like to buy a house. Oh no, you will get an email from me. If not that day, the next day. And if I don't hear from okay. you, I'll follow back up with you within the next few days. I am in fact, <laughs> like that is something that is so important because that's my personality. Like I, I respect, okay. I respect people who or salespeople that that follow up because I'm so busy. Like even if it's something I know mm-hmm. that I want to do, but I'm not necessarily making it a priority. If I have someone that's on my coattails about it, oh, it beco- it becomes a priority. Uh-huh. So. I, I like that because I, I need that type of, you know, service and follow up in my life. So I feel like people would, would appreciate that on the other end. And um and yeah, you know, that that's just I made it I've made it a practice to make certain that my follow up game is strong because I believe that in the world where people have so many things going on, you know, that that's mm-hmm. important. That's important. And you and you don't feel like you're bothering people when you do that because a lot of people won't follow up because they're like, well, I emailed her, she didn't contact me back, and so I don't, you know, the second time I don't want to be a bugaboo. Like, when do you just? Quit? I don't quit until they tell me don't contact me. Yeah, Ooh. I don't. I don't quit until until someone has told me, you know, I don't want to hear from you. I don't. I don't stop following up. I have to give this example because I have a client that I've been in communication with for it's now going on the third year for a high end listing. And I'm, we, we will be listing and um, hopefully we'll be listing within the next couple of months because they, they appear to be ready now, but they have heard okay. from me, if not on a monthly basis, on a biweekly basis, they'll either get a phone call, they'll get a, a, a thank you note or just thinking of you. They'll get, you know, my, I, I send out literature to my, you know, people in my sphere of influence talking about the market. You're going to hear from me in yeah. some shape, form or fashion. And I think that's, that's how, you know, I've become, you know, 
or achieve the level of success I have is, is, is because of that. I love that because I, you know, that's one of my sort of tactics too, is that you can't ever be discouraged by the fact that somebody's not getting back to you or take it personally. You know, it's like people, they've got other things going on. You may or may not be their priority, but you can gently nudge them until they tell you to go away. You know, it's like, you're not, it's, you're not harming anyone to continue to go after the things you want. And I feel like, um, one of the things that's missing, um, I think is like sales, you know, I think we've somehow like everybody kind of learned how to sell in their first couple jobs, but now people don't really know how to sell anymore. And I think everything is sales, you know, selling yourself, even if you're on Instagram, you've got to be selling yourself. Yeah. I I don't think people understand there's an art to that. And like, like mm-hmm. you just said, like, I don't, I don't take it personal. Here's how I, I, I choose not to take it personal. Like I look at myself and how mm-hmm. busy I am just one in my day to day, every, what I do for my, my job. But then even after my job, I have a husband and, and, a, and a commitment to him and a commitment to my, my children mm-hmm. who are all over the place. Like everybody is busy. Everybody's busy. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't take it personal just for that reason. Like, they didn't, they right. did not, you know, think to call me back. It's like, it's because they got busy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And just not yeah. taking it personal. Yeah. 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 And so I'm familiar with your very insane work ethic. Um, what are some things that you do, Brandy, to stay ahead of the pack? Like, you know, is there, are there things that you read or do you go out and look at other homes? Like, what are some things that you do to stay ahead? You know, and, and that is so vitally important. I think education, I think is critical, you know, like uh, you have okay. to stay sharp in this industry. There's always, um, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, courses you can take to stay ahead of the curve you know, what's even more more important, like in a world of social media, there are so many things that you can learn from other agents, you know, from uh, marketing ideas. Okay. Not that you steal anybody's anything, but you can certainly, you know, uh, you know, make mm-hmm. something your own and say, oh, that, that's a neat idea. Right. You know, how can I incorporate that into what I'm doing and put my own spin on it? So, you know, just being aware, right. aware of, of what's going on around you and, and reading, of course, as I think is important. There are books that I read on leadership and just staying um, and even sales, you know, leadership and sales. I'm always if I read something, it's, uh-huh. it's always self-help. I, I feel like I don't have time to read like for leisure. It's just always about improving and getting better. Getting ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any particular sort of like work mantras that you live by? Like, you know, like a never give up or a, you know, it's not done until it's done. You know, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of challenges. You probably get into a yeah. lot of snags along the way in sales. But is there anything that you that you, you know, live I think by? Th- this is so this I heard this before and it's, it's just stuck with me as a business owner. You know, does, mm-hmm. does your attention match your intention? You know, it's as far as mm. yes, Ooh. so yes, so we, we can get out and say, you know, this is what I want. This is what I, I you know, my goals are. Th- these are the numbers that I want to hit. You know, but but is what you're doing on a daily basis is that contributing? Is it you know helping you reach what your true goals are? So yeah, that that was a big wake yeah. up. Like I can say I want to do all these things, but what am I doing every mm-hmm. single day? How am I committed, you know, to, to reaching those goals? So that, that's a big one for me. Okay. And this is my last question before I wrap it up. I really appreciate you doing this with me is 
if I want to get into the real estate game and let's just say I want to work for you, Brandy, um, how do I do that? Like what, what, what is someone like you looking for? Um, if you were to have someone work alongside you to kind of like, you know, so of course you have to be licensed. Um, and, and what I am finding, I got licensed over 10 years ago. I don't know if this test is more difficult, but (laughs) I'm finding that a lot of people don't pass this test and it takes several times oh. to, to get this, uh, to pass the real estate, to get their real estate license. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not as easy as mm-hmm. it, you know, I guess they're either trying to filter out and make sure that they have the, the right people in, you know, the right people in, in the industry, but, but it is, it's not an easy test and you just have to make sure you're prepared and, and taking it serious when you, when you do take on that task. But, um, but one, you definitely have to be a licensed okay. um, agent. Um, now, I at this moment, I'm not looking to take on any agents. I will be looking to hire an assistant okay. because my assistant will be moving into a different role. Okay. Um, I haven't announced that yet because okay. she's um, she's actually going to be a licensed agent herself. So, um, yeah, yep. So she's moving oh, nice. on to bigger and better things. So, I will, yeah, that's great. That's what it's Which about. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. Assist me and then yeah, exactly. Yep, so, work your way up. You know, she she's she's been my intern. I mean, she's learned from me for the last two years, so I'm excited about her. Yeah, okay. going on. Yes. So then you would take on another assistant who will learn a ton from working with you in in yes. the interim of them getting their license. So they right. don't have to. But, have but it no, to but my next assistant, I would I would require them to be licensed. So. Yeah, I would require because there's really? a lot of things that okay. you're limited um, as as a licensed assistant that you can do. One, you can make more money, and then two, there are more things that you can do as a licensed okay. assistant as far as dealing with my clients and you know opening lock boxes and and you know showing showing properties and things oh, of that nature. Okay. So it would yeah, but this new assistant would they would definitely need to be licensed. Got it. Well, Brandy, where can we find you? Website, okay. Instagram, so my give website it to us. is brandyhunter.com. That's Brandy mm-hmm. with an I. Um, and my Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter and Facebook, everything is just B underscore luxurious. And that's L-U-X-U-R-I-O-U-S. So B underscore luxurious is all my, is my moniker for everything. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. That's what you got. Brandy, thank, thank you, you so I'm much. So, I'm sorry. I know this podcast is about oh. me, but I so love you. And I'm so proud of yeah. you with everything thank that you. you're doing. So thank, thank you for you. having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course.